welcome to everyone a new episode of In Check with Fintech organized by PCN. My name is Rogier and with me on the show today is Benny Nachman, who's the founder and CEO of Jaspi. Benny, welcome. Hello, it's great to be here and thank you for inviting me. Of course, great to have you. Um, before we start, Benny, we always ask our guests to uh, yeah, do a bit, a bit of an introduction um, of yourself um, as well as of, uh, of the company. I'm sure that uh, some people may know you because you're the founder also of a well-known uh, payments player. But yeah, without further ado, if you could give an introduction to yourself, please go ahead. Of course. So um, I'm Benny. I've been doing fintech for well over 15 years now, probably 18. I'm an attorney by profession. I always ask people, you know, don't hold it against me. I haven't practiced in many years. But I think more than anything, I'm uh, in my soul. I'm an entrepreneur. I like to build things. I like to build companies. Jasby, which we're going to talk a little bit today about, is my third, actually. I had one. I had a small, super small startup that was called TestWiz when I was in law school. It was my first you know, kind of foray into uh, into high tech. Um, and then in 2007, between 2007 and eight, I, I founded a company called Credorax. Credorax is a big European player or international player, but we have a heavy focus on Europe um, in the acquiring processing world. So we have uh, 20 something, 28, I think, bank licenses over, all over the world. Uh, we process thousands of merchants worldwide, but again, heavily focused on Europe to all their processing needs from credit cards to debit cards to alternative payments. Um, we process billions of dollars, uh, you know, every year and, and growing very nicely. I've been, uh, again, the founder and been CEO until 2016. Today, I'm the chairman of the board. I'm still a loud shareholder. Mm -hmm. In 2016, I took about a year break to do some consulting and then in 2017 towards the end of 2017 uh, after i swore that i'm never going to do another startup again of course i broke and did another one and this is jasby that maybe we'll talk a little bit about later only yeah uh, how, how do you go about from finding credorax uh, leading that company to then finding a uh, yeah also payments company or a fintech but which is more focused on the on the younger generation yeah, so maybe I'll tell you a little bit about what Jasby is doing, and then I'll yes. tell you the, I'll tell you like the the journey. How did I ended up here? So, it goes like that. Jasby is a way for families to move money. What we do is that we connect three generations. We connect kids and parents and grandparents, and we are a mobile payments app for them. And the idea is that the adults will give money to the kids in a digital form, the way that kids live today, kids and teens, which is, you know, on their phone. And the kids can do three things with that. They can save, they can do good. We work with a long list of uh, charities from, I don't know, American Cancer Society to Girls Who Code to the Conservation Fund and many, many more. And the third thing that they can do is spend. And there are two ways to spend. One is we've developed um, really an e-commerce platform or what we call the Jasby shop. And it's an in-app shop that we sell video games, some fashion, um, you know, electronics, bracelets, you know, cool things that, that, that kids and teens, and teens like. And the second way is that we've just launched a debit card that is aimed at teenagers 
that works contactless and you know you can use it online or anywhere that contactless payments are accepted. And you ask how, how I ended up in like doing this. So really when you think about this, I always tell people, Credorax and Chasby are very different, but they're also very similar. So I think it's like the, maybe two sides of the same coin and one can be very different from the other, but they're still the same coin. So it's still a FinTech company, it's a card focused. And why did I choose to do family oriented or maybe even more specifically kids and teens oriented? It's for a few reasons. And I think the number one of them is my own personal experience. So I'm a dad, a proud dad of two boys. Uh, one is 12 and one is 10. And through my you know, personal experiences, the kids, started going to uh, to the school system. And I, I live in, in the US, I live in Massachusetts. Uh, I, I noticed a few interesting trends. So one is that there is absolutely no financial education in school. And it's not something that's specific to where I live. So I started doing a little bit of research on this. And I found out that in the United States, the vast majority of states, or so some 41 out of the 50, have absolutely no program to talk about money, about financial literacy, nothing, not even one word. And even the extra nine, what they have is extremely limited, barely existent. And I also found out that this is, by the way, and this, you know, for your European listeners, um, so you know, I'm obviously focused on the United States, but this is a very, let's say, Western hemisphere problem. So when I, before I started Jazby and because, you know, I know a lot of people and have good connections with people in the banking world and in the finance world, um, I did a little bit of research and asked for advice. And I called friends and colleagues in the UK, in Germany, in Japan, in Israel, and obviously here in the US. And everybody basically told the same story. We are raising a generation of kids, soon to be young adults that have not even the very basic understanding of, I don't know, what interest is or how cumulative interest behaves or what's APR. And it's not their fault. We never talk to them about any of these things. Um, and I think in the US, again, where I'm based and where Jasby is based, it's not only the schools, but also the vast majority of households don't have these conversations with their kids. So that was a big part of it. You know, I, I, my kids started, you know, asking for allowance and I tried to give it to them. And I noticed that it was difficult. And I said to myself, I'm, you know, at the time I was a CEO of a bank and I had a number of cards and a number of accounts and it wasn't easy. You know, I started giving them cash and I, I always either forgot or I didn't have the exact right amount of cash. I don't know when they were very young, I had an agreement with them that I give them like $3 every Sunday or something like that. And I never had $3 on me. So I didn't have it all or I only have a 20 and you know, what do you do now? But even more than that, when they needed to use the money, most of what they wanted were online games and the cash didn't help them. So, you know, we needed to, they would need to pay me and I gave them their credit card. The whole thing was very awkward and, and uncomfortable and uneducational. So, that was the major drive for me in, in all of this. I wanted to do something that's easy, just easy and comfortable. And you don't need to think about it. You set up automatic allowance 
and it just happens. And in the other side, I wanted something that would trigger and would be a good excuse for parents to start talking about money with their kids. And any level of conversation is better than none. And the data shows very aggressively that if you have your kid manage a budget, however small, they grow up to be a lot more educated and, and, and better at, at managing their finances as young adults and adults. So I wanted two things. I wanted it to be easy for parents to handle, and I wanted to start the family and the kids especially on the road for financial literacy, financial wellness. So I, I think maybe that was a little bit long-winded, but I hope you got the gist of it. Now there's a lot of interesting uh, stuff in there, which I'd like to uh, talk a bit more about. You, you say it's 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 a specifically you've you've seen it as a Western problem, right? Why is that? Is this something that is not uh, more in the Eastern parts of the world? This 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 problem doesn't exist, or not to the same extent, or why do you say it's a typical Western problem? So the honest answer is that I'm not sure. I don't have visibility in a good way that I have. So I, I have nobody to ask in China. So maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't, no. um, but I don't know. So I think I'm like a typical you know, American. I focused on where I am and I just assume that this is the rest of the world is the same. So I can tell you that I checked again in the number of countries that I've, that I've talked to before about and, and they've all shared similar findings. There are also a number of articles and some research about this. And I can tell you that the United States, again, where I'm based is um, situated, if, if you put a table of like, I don't know, 190 countries, I think something like that are members of, of the UN. If you put the United States financial literacy wise, it's below, below the, the median. So I think the US is not in a good place when it comes to financial literacy. And I'm not completely sure exactly about you know, the, the non-Western world. And if you ask me why, so why is a very good question. Again, I don't know if I know the answer exactly. I can venture a couple of guesses and, and those are completely my extrapolation. So I, I, I can't guarantee that it's accurate. But what I think is that in the personal level and like in the household level, People feel that they are far from perfect. And sometimes they feel inadequate. So if I'm not saving myself as a, as a parent, and maybe I don't feel that I'm handling my finances, you know, in the best way possible, then I have this awkwardness, like I'm not saving. So who, I, who am I to tell my kids, you need to save, you know, because I don't do it. So I think that's part of it, this, this feeling that I don't know enough and that this subject is complicated and maybe I can't explain it the right way, or at least I think that I cannot explain the right way what interest is. So there is, there is an element of fear and feel of, um, again, awkwardness or uh, I, I'm not good enough. In the schools, my belief is, and this is, again, maybe very US-centric, but for sure it, it applies at least for some European countries. I think that this is a politically correct problem or political correctness problem, sorry. What I mean is that if you start talking about money in school, you would need to acknowledge very quickly that not everybody has the same amount of money. 
and that would come up just because it does. And then this, whatever side of the political map you are, that leads to uncomfortable conversations and it's easier for the system to simply don't touch it, okay? But what happens is again, that people don't talk about it at home and people don't talk about it at school. And then you have 18, 19, 20 year olds who get the first credit card or take a student loan and they can't calculate, they don't understand what's the APR in the credit card agreement means and they don't understand why it's not a good idea uh, I don't know, only to pay minimum payments on, on, on your card. And again, it's not their fault. We just, we allow it to some, sometimes even encourage something like this to happen. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Very interesting. I, I love how there's a deeper purpose to indeed educate the younger generation to bring more financial literacy. Uh, and there we've also uh, maybe, um, how do you say that, um, have people taking the examples of, of, the, of the credit cards when consumers get turned 18, 19, or these youngsters turn 18, 19, and they don't know how to handle one. Yeah, then you get obviously large debt. That's something that you want to avoid um, for many exactly. reasons. Exactly. And, and one of the things that I always tell people is that, um, so if you're in the US, right now we are only available in the US. So if you're in the US and you're listening, you know, try it out. If, if in Europe, for now, you know, I can only talk to you about this. But one of our principles is that, look, I think financial literacy is something that's not easy to teach. And, and maybe mainly because it's very boring and therefore, especially to kids, um, it's, it's, you know, it's very difficult because if I call my kids now into my room and my office after a long day of school and tell them, hey, boys, today we're going to talk about cumulative interest, <laughs> probably five seconds and, you know, their eyes glaze and they won't listen to me. And, and, and I think a lot of financial literacy, quote unquote, education is like that. Is some boring lecture, and then at the end of this, some some boring quiz, and even if you learn something, you forget it the next day or the next week or the next month. My belief is that the best way to teach something is to experience it and to act it. And you know, I always, I, the first time I held a golf club uh, in my hand when I is is when I was forty years old. My older son started playing when he was six. Today at 12, you know, he hits better than I do, even if I'm, you know, taller and stronger than him. Because it's the muscle memory, right? It's like, it's how young you start. It's how deep it is embedded in you. And I know maybe that's not a one-to-one -one comparison, but there is, there is something in it. You know, when we learn something new, the beginning, we need to think about it. We need to concentrate. And then as we do it more and more, it becomes part of our subconscious. And it's really like that with money and with financial literacy. 
if you let your kids manage some budget, doesn't have to be a lot, a few dollars a week, right? I don't know, $100 a month, whatever suits your family. And also, obviously, depending on the age of your kid. So a teenager would probably uh, need some more money than, I don't know, a nine or 10-year-old. But if you let them manage some budget, just by the mere fact that you did, without a lecture, without anything, you did a big thing. Because now they get to experience and they get to think about things that they would not have normally think about. And they would make some mistakes. And it's great because those are the things that they would remember. And it, it opens a lot of new experiences for them that would let them understand concepts better and at a younger age than their peers, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, you make a good point there. It can be quite boring, financial literacy, especially for uh, kids who are a bit younger. They might have an intention for completely different things. How, how do you go make it fun for indeed kids to understand and want to understand financial literacy, finances? So I'll give you two examples. Um, and, and a lot of it is not, it just, it almost happens if you want it or not. So I tell you, I give you two personal examples. Um, my older son, a few months ago, you know, it was pre-corona. So it's, you know, the times is, is warped a little bit, I think, this 2020. But let's say about a year ago, something like that, probably less. He really wanted to buy um, the Apple, uh, what they're called, AirPods. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those things are expensive. They're like $150 or something along these lines. And he worked very hard for this and he saved some money and he did some extra uh, chores around the house. And I think, you know, at the end, we helped him with the last $20 or something like that, whatever. At a certain point, he had enough money to buy it. And I can tell you, by the way, this like, you know, in a side note, that until today, this is his most cherished possession because he bought it himself with his own money. However, you know how you go to buy something like a again, in electronics, and, and then you get somebody offers to pay another $20. I'm making up the number. I don't remember the, the price exactly. If you pay another $20, you get some sort of like insurance. So if you break them or if you lose them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So my son went to, to buy this. And then he got this offer, pay another $20, and we'll, we'll fix it if you break it. And he didn't know what to do. So one, he didn't have the $20, but also he wasn't sure if he wants it, if he needs it, should he say yes, should he say no? So he came to ask. And we had a very brief conversation, really a few minutes. And we talked about, um, are you gonna use them at home or are you gonna take them to school? Are you gonna take them outside when you play with your friends or really it's only when you're in your room? Um, what will happen? Like how careful do you think you're gonna be with those things? How likely you are to lose one or to break one? And how would you feel if you lose one or break one? A minute or two. And then I told him, you know, what you're really buying here, if you choose to, is insurance. And you know, the car that mom and I are driving and driving you and your brother around, obviously is insured. Our house that we live in is insured exactly because of those things, you know. So we had a brief conversation about insurance. But you know what the difference is? He came to me and not the other way around. And he came to me with something that he really needed at the moment. And it was very, very important to him because it was about something he really wanted. So that conversation, if you come to him today and ask him 
what is insurance, what is it good for, and to give you two or three examples of things that most people commonly insured, and I actually tested it, he remembers that completely. Because it wasn't some boring lecture that he got in school and he forgot the next day. It was about a real life experience. Give you another quick example. Uh, we encourage people and kids to save. And we encourage parents to set a goal for their kids that they can easily achieve. Save $1 a week. Okay. Again, whatever works for your family and for your budget. But I always tell people, you know, start with a dollar a week. And don't tell me that you can't because I don't believe you. Everybody can save a dollar a week. And then if they do it over a cons consistently over a period of time, and you choose the period of time, a month, two months, whatever works for you, give them, quote unquote, interest. Give them an extra $3. So now you're encouraging people to save. And you kind of tell them what interest is. It's Again, it's an arbitrary number, right? You decide once you get to $10 of savings, you get an extra two. And you know that it will tell them, so you got 20%, which obviously is not a realistic number, but it doesn't matter. It's the principle, right? So now they know that saving is important. And now they know that if you save, you get some interest. And the contrary, so I tell you again, another personal story. My younger son is a huge fan of uh, video games. A few months ago, I think within the corona already, really wanted the new, they have uh, a Nintendo Switch console. And he wanted the, the, a new game that just came out. And a new game cost $60. It was brand new and the coolest thing around. And he only had 40 So he came to ask for another 20 And I told him, sure, I can give you 20 But if you want me to do it, I'm going to charge you some interest. You're going to need to pay me 21 back, I don't know, over the next three months. And he was taken aback. Why, why do I need to pay you more? So I told him, you know, you want the money right now. You don't have to. You can wait a few weeks. You get your weekly allowance and do some extra chores around the house. And not long, three weeks, you're going to have the probably the extra $20 that you need. And then you don't need to pay me back anything, right? You don't need the extra dollar. Or if you want it right now, that's the price you pay. So he said to me, okay, I need to talk, think about it. He came the next day and wanted the money because obviously it's 10. But you know what he learned? He learned that if you save money, then interest is your friend. And if you borrow money, that interest is your enemy. And obviously, I never actually charged him the $1. It doesn't matter. But we had, it was built in, and it's easy to do when you, when you move the money in the app. It's easy to do these things, and those things stick with them. So it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be, or it's better not be, academic. And I always tell people, whatever you think you don't know as a parent, you know much better than a 12-year-old or even a 15-year-old, most of them. And if you're one of the one in a million that your 16-year-old know more about investment than you do, then good for you. But for the, the other 999,999, whatever, uh, you know more than them. So whatever you tell them, even briefly, about interest, about budgeting, if you just give them money, Again, at a later age, I, I tell people when, you're, when they're starting their teenage years, this is the age that we recommend getting the debit card. Give them a monthly budget. Whatever works for your family, I don't care how much, whatever it is. And whatever works for your, for your allowances or however you work it out, let them manage it and be consistent with it. I just gave you $100, $500, whatever it is. And... 
you manage it. Don't come to me in the middle of the month. If you run out of money, you run out of money. Next month, deal with it better. If you feel that your kid is not mature enough or you know, not at the stage that you can run a monthly budget, give them a weekly budget and then do two weekly budget, you know, build it up over a period of a few months. But all those little things help them become better educated around money and without boring quizzes and, and lectures. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Yeah, exactly. You create an intrinsic motivation for the kids to understand and willing to understand how money works and how they can best use and spend it. Of course. And this is, again, they have the number one incentive, right? Who doesn't want money? Who doesn't want to buy things? You know, an average teenager in the US spends, it's, it's a range, right? But it's anywhere between $2,500 to $3,000 a year. And so this is going to happen anyway. And it's been happening for a long while now. This is not new. And over the last decade, the amount of free cash or, or free money it's not in cash mostly. Uh, the free money that the teenagers ha- haven't used, it actually went up. So these are things that happen in the market. Now it's our job to at least, if this is all of this is happening, then let's partially at least use it for best, use it for good, use it to teach. You know, people tell me uh, we are... Uh, encouraging commercialism i think it's it's one one person once accused me and you know it always makes me smile because you know welcome to 2020 we live in a world that everything is is commercialized and they're from the day they're born they're surrounded by advertisement non-stop by social media which is filled with advertisement non-stop so guess what those kids are gonna be commercial active very young and they're gonna be spending money almost whatever you do. So let's harness all of this and teach them how to use it properly, how to be educated about it, how to make the right decisions. And if you start early, you're gonna be so much more successful when you're grown up. Yeah, money makes the world go round, so better have mm-hmm. to understand at an early age. And uh, never, because yes. uh, even if you're not money driven, it's important that you know and understand how money works, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. Do you, I mean, do you guys, do you maybe personally, but also Jazz, we have a company, have a vision? Like, are you doing this with a purpose for changing the world or making the world a better place in the long run when it comes to uh, money and financial literacy? Yes. So, I tell you two things, I, I, and I think they can go hand in hand, or maybe three things. I know from experience, and, and I hear about it all the time from friends and family, from our community of users. Uh, we've had more than or about half a million installs so far with close to 200,000 uh, registered users. So I hear all the time how just in Forget about all, again, the, the high words and, and philosophy and all of those things. 
just in the daily routine of their lives, it makes it so much easier. And it also, by the way, there's you know an aspect that, that we forgot, or I forgot to mention. And I think at the beginning I said, we connect kids and parents and grandparents. So the grandparents, especially today, by the way, in Corona time, it's also a means to stay connected, stay in touch, even if they live far away or it's not safe to come visit or you know, for whatever reason. But um, so my number one priority before even the financial literacy is to just to make it easy. And it's one less thing that you need to worry about. Or if you worry about it, it's, it's easier for you to do it as a parent and it's easier on your kid. So number one priority is, is easy and, and quality of life, if you will. We are also doing this because we are a business. So the service is free of charge, but we make money because we sell things on the store. And more than anything, we give you a debit card that you can use, and then we collect interchange, same as, same as any card company, really. So the cost is not on you, the consumer. Um, the cost is paid by the merchants. So the second thing is we want to be commercially successful. We are not some nonprofit or anything like that. And I think that's super important because if we are commercially successful, it helps us, you know, serve you better. And if I can do those two things and bring financial literacy on top of this, then, you know, we're blessed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a great purpose to have uh, as well. Is there then something specific with Jaspi that, that is coming up? You just talked about the debit card that you uh, recently launched, which is exciting. Do you have any other exciting stuff about to happen? Um, well, it's almost end of 2020. We're in, in 2021. So yes, uh, we are launching the debit card literally as we speak. So again, if you are in the US, go search for Jasby and the, the App Store or just go to the website and you can register for the debit card and it's free and it's really cool. That's, that's very nice. There are things that we are working on for 2021. I think at least two major um, new services or new features maybe um, but it's probably around mid-year so there's still some time to come and I'll be mysterious for now watch the space yes great um, cool Benny well thanks for being on the show great to have you and, and get a bit of insight in um, yeah how you teach uh, kids at a young age financial literacy and, and what your purpose is with that um, personally as well as with Jaspi I really liked how you had uh, all those personal examples. I think that goes down well uh, to get a bit of a better, uh, better sense. Um, if people want to find out more, you just said de definitely download the Jaspi app. Um, is there other handles that they can go to when they find, want to find out more about Jaspi um, and follow the story? Sure thing. So go to, go to our website, Jaspi is spelled J-A-S-S-B-Y.com and you get links and, uh, some more uh, activities and, and, and a lot of information there and everything that you need to sign up or download or do whatever you need to do is all there. Right. All right. Thanks for being on the show, Benny, again. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Likewise. And thanks everyone for listening. Um, hope to uh, hear you next time on the next week's show. And um, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify if you have not done so already. And hope you enjoyed the show with, enjoyed the show with Benny from Jasmine. Thanks, everyone. 
Thanks for listening, and we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner, Free a Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.